Last week we saw that eternity is the missing puzzle piece in our life. Uh, without eternity, without having our eternal destiny sure, through Jesus Christ, what we're going to find is that nothing in this world is going to be able to satisfy that intense craving that comes from only a relationship with Jesus. But not only does eternity uh, fill that void in our heart, but eternity also gives us a new perspective. And I want us to be able to think that these two things that I'll be touching on in these next two sermons, um, actually this sermon and then we have Father's Day and then uh, we'll come back to our eternity series, but the two things are really different, okay? And I want to just kind of set the stage for how different they are. First, this morning, I want us to realize that eternity gives us a new perspective in trials, okay? And oftentimes, we uh, are looking too sure. We're too short-sighted in life. Um, we hit what we aim at, okay, folks? That's how it is in life. We hit what we aim at. Whatever is in our scope, whatever is in the crosshairs of our scope and our focus, we're going to hit it. We're aimed at it. But oftentimes in life, what we find is that our, short, our, our sight is shortened. We are only focused, most generally, on the here and now, on the temporal rather than the eternal, on that which we can touch rather than that which is invisible. And I want us to be able to see this morning, different than two weeks from now, but I want us to be able to see this morning that in temptations and in trials especially, we focus way too much down here. And when we as children of God are able to lift up our eyes and see how everything sets in eternity, it gives us a truly new perspective on life. Now, there is a man in the Bible that knows much about trials. There's a man that knows a, a huge amount about persecution and trouble, and his name is the Apostle Paul. And he writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, he writes to them in chapter 4, speaking about all of the challenges that have come in the ministry, or some of the challenges. He says in verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death, for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Powerful words. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may abound, or excuse me, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Several, several comparisons that the apostle makes, you probably picked up on some of those as we were reading. Weakness and power is something that is contrasted in this text. Life and death, outward man, inward man, visible, eternal, temporary, eternal, uh, faith and sight. He, he really draws this line through these word pictures of, of really contrasting things. Again, life and death, eternally, eternal and temporal. But I want you to see what he says as he's writing to them. And he, can, he, he teaches us in verse 7 that this treasure is in earthen vessels. Some of your translations may say jars of clay. What he is saying is that we have this great thing, this salvation, this gospel message. We have it, and right now it is contained in these earthen vessels, these jars of clay, these weak, fragile pots. And what he is doing is reminding us that as believers, when we carry the message, we have weak bodies. We have bodies that are cracking and crumbling and going to fall apart someday, but he contrasts it with that gospel message that is within us. That we have something that is, that is eternal in this redeemed soul that is living within this jar or this vessel, this clay pot. He is contrasting the eternal with the temporal. And he goes on to teach, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Think about what he is telling those Corinthian believers right now as a man who is going through great challenges in the ministry. As a man who is facing death and beatings and scourgings. As a man who has endured so much in the ministry, he is writing to these believers and he is telling them something profound. He is telling us something that is huge. And I believe if we will accept what he is teaching us, it will radically change the way we view challenges in our life. It will radically change the way we view the trouble that comes on us for living down here and serving the Lord to the best of our ability. The first is this. We see the effects of trials differently. We see the effects of challenges, of hardships, we see their effect differently. Notice, he is using a totally different vocabulary. The apostle realizing that he is an eternal being who one day, when this life is over, will be with God forever and ever. When he looks at life and looks at the ministry and looks at challenges through the lens of eternity, an existence that has no end with God, when he looks at his challenges in life, he views them totally different. Notice the, notice the difference in the wording. We're hard-pressed on every side. He means we are literally being squeezed from every direction. But he says even though we are being squeezed, we are not crushed. We are perplexed. But we're not in despair. We are persecuted but we're not forsaken we are struck down but we're not destroyed he says that we are free from the ultimatum of these actions we we may be beat down but we're not defeated 
We may be pressed, but we're not crushed. Why? Because of eternity. Because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He actually allows us to use a different lexicon in our language. Think about it for a minute, believers. You have the the ability, the freedom now because of your eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of your relationship with the creator of the universe, you have the freedom today to say, you know what, I will never die. Think about that. Death does not even have to be in your vocabulary when describing yourself. Think about it, guys. We've been, we, we've, we've been here in this place. I've been here with you for over five years now, and, and we've had several services right here where the casket was brought right out here to the front. And you know what? They were, they were beloved members. They were loved family members. They were born-again believers. We had the ability, I had the ability to stand at the head of that casket and to say, you know what, brother or sister so-and-so did not die. They simply stepped into eternity. That's, that's the privilege we have as believers, to know that I will never die. This body will give up, this tent will be folded, this jar will fall apart, but I will still be very much alive in the presence of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I may struggle with battles, in my life i may have spiritual battles but i don't have to worry about the war because the war has already been won i may i may be knocked down but i'm not defeated because my victory is in christ why because he is my savior forever and ever and ever eternity changes the way i view the effect of trials on my life yes i'm going through rough times or you're maybe going through rough times but you can view them differently because of eternity. You are pressed on every side, yet not crushed. You are perplexed, but not in despair. You are persecuted, but not forsaken. You are struck down, but not destroyed. You have a new view on the challenges that come in your life. He also tells us in verses 10 through 13 that we have new opportunities. Not just this new effect we don't get to see the effect differently of challenges but now if these challenges bring new opportunities in verse 10 he says we're always carrying about in the body the dying of the lord jesus that the life of jesus also may be manifested in our body for we who live are always delivered unto death for jesus sake that the life of jesus also may be manifested in our life So death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. The book of Philippians, the apostle said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he's telling us here is even though we are going through these challenges of life, they provide new opportunities for us. Think about this. Anybody can go through challenges in the world. Anybody can be persecuted or struck down. Anybody can be perplexed. But can anybody in the world go through those things 
with a Christ-like attitude. Can anybody go through those events in life with joy? Remember, joy is based off of who is within us, not, is, not on what is around us. When we go through those moments, those hardships, those trials, those challenges in life, and we embrace them as a new opportunity, a new, a new, a new frontier, a new, a new region to be able to share Jesus, a new platform. Guys, let me tell you something. Persecution will either give you a muzzle or a megaphone. And right here, the Apostle Paul is saying that all of these things that have happened to him have actually provided for him a megaphone. They have given him a new platform, a new audience, a new opportunity to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying that literally through all of these hardships, people are able to see the life of Jesus through us. He says that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Wow, what a powerful verse that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body, that people may be able to see a clear picture of Christ through our sufferings, that the life in verse 11 of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you, body, mortal flesh, you know what he's saying? We don't just have eternity in here, but we have this opportunity through what we're going through, our diagnosis, our treatment, the bad news that we got in the mail. We're able to use this as an opportunity to continue to place our faith and trust in Jesus so that in the midst of the challenges, others may be able to see the life of Christ manifested in us. He says, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Not just the actions of our body, but the words of our mouth. To use our opportunities to the best of our ability. I want you to see the third and final thing this morning. We have a new hope. Eternity gives us this new hope all things are made new to us verse 14 knowing that he who raised up the lord jesus will also raise us up with jesus and will present us with you he looks forward to that resurrection notice he says he knows it guys there are many reasons for us to be familiar with the truth a lot of reasons for us to know what the Bible says, know what the promises that are ours are. One of those reasons is that our life may be enriched, that I may be able to repeat the same words of the Apostle Paul in verse 14 and say, because I know this, it now changes my life. It now changes my worldview. The truth I believe, the promises I understand and know and have accepted, they have changed my view of the world. But it's not just the reading of the Bible and to know the promises to enrich our lives. It's also to enrich the lives of others. You see, what he knew helped him. What he knew encouraged him. It didn't matter how bad things were in this life. He knew, knew that there was coming a day where he would be raised up with Jesus Christ. 
It gave him that hope to know I don't care what's going on right here. I don't care who has left me. I don't care how they have taken my name through the mud. I don't care that I don't have clothes or money or a home. I don't care of all these things I have missed because there is coming a day where I will be raised up. He knew that it enriched his life. And he used that knowledge to enrich the life of others. In verse 15, for all things are for your sakes. That the grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Do you want a life verse? You want a great life motto? If you're looking for a great life motto, let me give you one out of the Bible right here. All for the sake of others. To the glory of God. All for the sake of others. Out of verse 15. All for the sake of others. To the glory of God. You know what happens? Those become not just words on a page, but the motto of our life. You see, in light of eternity, what are my days supposed to be spent for down here? I believe in light of eternity, knowing I just have but moments, handbreadths, if you will. The Bible says my life is like a vapor. Eternity is for me, folks. That's a fact. If you're a believer, eternity is for you. The here and now, for others. The here and now, for the sake of everybody else. For the glory of God. All things are for your sake. The grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Verse 16. We have a new hope that we're raised up. We have a new hope to know that our labor, our witness, will abound to the glory of God for the sake of others. We also have a new hope and that God in His Word has provided strength for us. Therefore, Verse 16, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. We don't give up. Folks, I've seen, I've seen a lot of folks give up. Challenges got too great for them. The temptation to just jump ship. Too great. I remember shortly after I surrendered to the ministry, my pastor, who, who was a veteran in the ministry for many years, I was just thinking about this this morning as I was leaving my office. He said, Jamie, stay in the buggy. You know what? There's a lot of people. Christians. Just said it's too tough. Challenges are too great. 
But that's not true. They've believed a lie. The apostle doesn't deny that it's difficult. He doesn't deny the reality of what's happening to his body and what's happening to his life and the, what's weighing on him. He doesn't deny those. But what he's saying is, I know that though my outward man is perishing, my inward man is being renewed. Made new. Every day. Or as he says in verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. For our light affliction. Do you know what the apostle calls a light affliction? We would call a cold a light affliction, right? Let me tell you what he calls a light affliction. In his first letter to the Corinthians, this is the second, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says, to the present hour we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. That's what he calls a light affliction, that they hunger and thirst and are beaten and poorly clothed and homeless. What he is saying is that the five essential elements of life have been stripped from him. He does not have food. He does not have clothing. He does not have shelter. He does not have health. He is literally saying at the very moment he's writing the first letter, all of these things are stripped from me. And yet he has the audacity in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, not just to say that we have no food, no water, we're poorly clothed, we're beaten, and we're homeless. Not only does he tell them that that's what he is experiencing at that moment, he later in chapter 4 says, be imitators of me. He was willing to risk it all. Willing to go to a place where there was no security or no safety. He was willing to put his life in danger. Why? For the cause of Christ. Why? Because he viewed life on an eternal spectrum and saw that he is here but a fraction of a fraction of a fraction in light of eternity that has no end. All for the sake of others. To the glory of Christ. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils in false brethren. In weariness and toil in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides all the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches, that is His light affliction. It causes us to reevaluate, doesn't it? What we really see as an affliction. Guys, what I know is this. We can have the exact same thing He has. Nothing has changed 
for us. Since the Apostle Paul wrote those words. I'm not going to stand in front of you and say, oh, well, it's a different dispensation in church history. No. I'm not going to tell you that those promises that he was founded on were different for us. No. You and I can truly see challenges differently because of eternity. We can truly see the opportunities the challenges bring us to manifest the life of Jesus. And we can have a new hope in our work, in our witness, in the strength, in the purposes. That even though things are not easy, they're right in the middle of His will. You see, we can approach life, difficult life, hard life. We can take the worst of the world And we can endure it because we have the promises and the power of God. And friend, let me tell you something this morning. If you do not have that peace, the Bible refers to it a peace that passes all understanding. And in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your trial, bad things are going on. And yet you're able to say, God, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But I am overcome right now with a peace. What are you going through right now? Is it physical? Maybe you got a report that you didn't want to get. Maybe it's just the pains of this tent being folded up. Maybe you're struggling emotionally. Maybe you're a wreck spiritually. Maybe there are relationships that are really bad right now in your life. Maybe I haven't even touched on it, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Two questions for you. The first is, do you know Jesus Christ personally? Have you made that first step? You see, guys, I've put on a dress shirt every Sunday morning. And I pride myself most of the time in not having to use a mirror to get dressed. Invariably, when I get too prideful, I realize that I missed the wrong, I missed the button, right? You notice that when you get all the way down to the bottom, shirts like this, I'm not the only one because I missed the the first button. The first button's wrong, all the rest are going to be wrong. And in your life, guys, if that first button's not right, nothing else is going to line up. Jesus Christ has the way of making it all line up. The way it should. Secondly, maybe you're a believer and all you're doing is focusing right here and right now. All you're doing is focusing on the pain and the trouble and the challenges and the torment and the fear right now instead of saying, God, I need an eternal perspective. Would you lift up your eyes? Same, the, the same Paul told the believers at Colossae, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Today, friend, will you let God lift your eyes up on the promises that are yours? Will you use these challenges for the furtherance of his gospel, for the sake of others, for the glory of God?